Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Okay, so we're in our last week of Emmanuel. Uh, We've been doing a series for the uh, last two weeks leading up to this, talking about this idea of God being with us. Uh, And so today we're going to finish with this idea of a promise delivered. And if you take that delivered into what it actually means, we're going to talk about uh, the birth of Jesus. So, so far we've talked about a 700-year-old promise that we see fulfilled in the birth of Jesus We see an invitation to carry our Savior. And today we'll look at the implications of what was delivered in a dirty manger and wrapped in rags. Which is the literal of what actually happened. Um, So today we're going to talk about probably one of the hardest things for you to experience in this season of busyness, of growing debt, annoying relatives, and unmet expectations. It's, you, you want to know what it is? It's peace. Uh, this is what was delivered in that manger. And if you want it, there's only one place for it to be found. Romans 15, 13 says it this way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. So where does Romans 15 says that it comes from? In believing. And today we're going to believe and talk about uh, and encourage you to believe in a promise that is still ongoing. The promise of peace that we can still encounter. So let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that our eyes are opened and our heart is softened so that we can know and believe. And today as we talk about your birth narrative, as you literally putting on flesh and entering our world, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be opened to the implications of this delivery. The implications of it, what, what it literally means for us, not as the world or not for Christianity, but what does it mean for us in the peace that we so long for. So help us with open eyes and softened hearts hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Luke 2. If you've got your Bibles with us, you can follow along. It'll also be on the screen behind us. So, uh, like I said last week, when we talk about a very familiar text, it's real easy to go, that's what your brain does. Like you, you start reading, um, a familiar text, you start hearing a familiar text and you, you already start to put all the implied implications that you think you know about it. And then sometimes we, we kind of close off what God's trying to speak to us today. So I encourage you, uh, with open, uh, minds, look at a text that's very familiar. So we're going to start in verse one. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Man, you could, you could preach. I could spend my whole time on this. And if you, could, if you could get the gravity of what's going on in this sentence, you would have peace. Let me, let me break this out for you. God uses Augustus to bring about a word that he spoke through Micah. In Micah 5, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So God uses a wicked, evil uh, ruler to do exactly what he wants him to do. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if the, the, the spirit came to him and enticed him to go, how big is your 
domain? Like how many people do you rule over? But for whatever reason, this man does exactly what God wants him to do. If we could learn to trust in the sovereignty of God, even when it doesn't look like it should. Because I'm sure they weren't like, man, she shouldn't be on the road at this point in her pregnancy. Um, we, we shouldn't be traveling. But because of this one person and his desire to have a count, Joseph and Mary take a journey to a city so that God's promise would be fulfilled. And let me just tell you, God's promise for us and his children is going to be fulfilled even through wicked, evil people. And so if we could if we could just right now settle the reality that if I'm his, everything that's going on in my world, he's working to his end. Romans 8, 28, all things happen for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That promise isn't for everyone, but it is for his children. And he's going to do everything in his power to get you to the place that he wants you to be, that he's called you, what he's desired for you, if you'll just submit and surrender to his leadership. And that's all Joseph did. When Joseph was encountered by the Holy Spirit in his dream to not divorce Mary, but to marry her and not be afraid of this, he was obedient. And because of his obedience, we get this second part of the story, is that he is walking out what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. Verse 2, it says, This was the first registration when Cornelius, uh, the governor of Syria... And all went to be registered to his own town. Remember this, and I'm going to make some implications. So there's lots of things that I'll tell you that this is the word, and this is what the word says. And there's things that I'll tell you that this is just something that could be. And so I have a big could be on why, um, or some implications of why Joseph ended up in a major. But listen to this. Each to his own town. Okay, so just put that to the side. Verse 4. And Joseph went up to Galilee, and from the town of Nazareth to Judah... To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage, which was also something that was prophesied about Jesus, that he would be of that line, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Side note, side note, um, Bethlehem literally means house of bread. What better place for the bread of life to be born than in Bethlehem. There's so many little things that are going on inside text that sometimes we just ignore. Now, I wouldn't know that either unless some very wise person wrote it in a book that I read here this week. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in an inn. Here's some implications. This was Joseph's hometown. Like, I, I just went to my hometown yesterday, and I saw my mom uh, and my brothers were in town, and we, we did our little time of Christmas together, um, and I had a place to stay at my mom's house. Now, these are implications that Heath is making, so don't take this as gospel. But Joseph went to his hometown, and for whatever reason, didn't have a relative that would put him up, which is... In their, in their cultural thing, that's what was happening. You would go stay with family. And they did not, not only did they not have family, they didn't have anyone to stay in. And there's lots of implications of was an in and in, and it doesn't matter. What matters is that the woman carrying the Messiah, 
the Christ, the Savior, was given no special treatment, was, getting no, was given no favor in the city, so much so that they had to stay uh, in the manger, in the place where the animals were. And, and, and Jesus, the, the Savior of the world, and not only the Savior of the world, but like before he put on flesh, he was the one that spoke this world into existence. He, was the, he is the one who's holding all things together. And he was born as a child in a dirty manger. Look, I'm telling you, Okay, further implications into your own life. This is, this is a freebie because it just came into my brain. Half this stuff, I'm going to hope it's Holy Spirit. But look at this. If God is okay with his only son being born in a dirty manger, covered in rags, because he sees where he's going, God can use your dirty beginnings, your manger beginnings, and rescue and redeem you out of those. I think so many times we don't have faith in what God can do with us because of what we were or where we came from. And let me just tell you, God doesn't care where you came from or what you did or what you're doing right now because the invitation is still there. And we saw that in week one is is the prophet went to the king to give him an opportunity To trust in Jesus again. He didn't care what his past was or what his present was. He's still giving an opportunity. And this is what the Holy Spirit does with us. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing for us right now. He's inviting you regardless. There's nothing that can separate you. The, the, The best person in this room that has the least amount of sin, because no one is without sin, the best person in this room that has lived the cleanest life has the same opportunity as the worst person in this room. Because it is by faith alone. Trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us. And our peace comes from that reality that we can be connected to God again. And that connection comes through Jesus alone. And then we jump to something really weird. We, we jumped at shepherds, and this is something that, you know, if you grew up in traditional church, you've seen it on a flannel board. You have it at your house and your nativity. You have the, the shepherds coming in, following. Um, let me just tell you, if you were writing a fake story about a fake Messiah, you would not do any things, any of the things that we've talked about over the last three weeks. You would not introduce the coming king into a nothing family, into turmoil of like teenage pregnancy, you wouldn't have him be born in this whatever town and you wouldn't announce it to the ones that have no favor. There's no power in the shepherds. The shepherds, and we've talked about this almost every um, um, Christmas that we talk about the birth narrative, the shepherds weren't even allowed to go worship because they were unclean. Because they were doing the work with these animals. They, they weren't able to leave work without having the rites of purification to enter into worship in the, not the Holy of Holies, but into the temple. They couldn't go in. They were unclean. And, and this is who God goes to. The shepherds. The shepherds weren't even trusted. They were kind of this outcast. But the shepherds, which you're going to hear in just a second, were awake to hear the message. Verse 8. So in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. This is at night time. 
when everyone else is in bed. See, we're spoiled because we live in a in a uh, we live in a time period that you can stay up past dark because you have lights, you know, and, and they're they're You know, it's it's comfortable for you to stay up once the light goes out, like back in the day when you worked all day, when the light, when the sun went down. You weren't far from going to bed. And so it's dark. They're out in the field um, doing their job, staying awake, watching. And there was an encounter that happens there. You have to be awake to hear the message. They were awake when others were asleep. They were there. And they responded, which we'll see in just a second. Verse 9, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory, <laughs> nighttime, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. (laughs) Lights on in the darkness. An angel appears. And we're going to hear, fear not, in just a second. Because, heck yes, when the lights turn on at night and a large angel appears, you're scared. (laughs) And it says, and they were filled, filled with great fear. Verse 10, it says, the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The Messiah did not come for a certain group of people. I thank the Lord because all of us that I'm aware of in here, unless you have a Jewish lineage, are Gentiles. That were invited from the outside to be on the inside. And the angel is telling them this to a people that are on the outside. For all people. Verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, so if that wasn't enough, lights turned on, angel in front of you telling you this great news. And suddenly there was um, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. I mean, our worship team is great. There's no knock on them. But when when the heavens open up, best concert ever. There was no... There was no noise issues. There was no like off, you know, like there. I mean, could you imagine the perfect song? And, and, and we're spoiled by having good speakers and having these things like in the middle of nowhere, a concert went on. And you may have missed this one statement, which is really what we're getting after today. In verse 14, let me read it again. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Among those whom he is pleased. You might be like, well, is he pleased with me? His being pleased of you is who you're trusting. God with us. Are, 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 you, are you trusting in the gift that he sent, which is his son? Because we can't please him by our actions. We couldn't fix ourselves by being good enough. We are only available to please him by trusting in Jesus. Now, I will say it's not just because I think we in the South, if you weren't raised here, I'm sorry that I'm looping you in, grouping you in. We in the South have this kind of overt, like, you know, if you said yes to Jesus one day, 
you're good. And let me just tell you, like, saying yes to Jesus changes you. Remember we talked about last week with carrying Christ? You know, if you, if you become pregnant, pregnant it, it changes you. You can't hide it. And if you surrender to Jesus, Jesus will change you. There will be fruit of that receiving of Jesus. And being pleasing God is just choosing in our imperfect way of following his lead. It's just like Joseph. And in some of the things that he asked Joseph to do, he didn't tell him how it was all going to work out. He just said, go do it. When he told Abraham to go into this other land, Abraham just went. When he sent Moses in, he didn't tell him all the things. Now, he gave Moses a lot more information than he gave others. as, hey, I want you to go into the, uh, Egypt, and I want you to tell them this, and I'm going to be with you. But he just told him to go. He didn't say, hey, this is how it's going to work out. He just said, go, and this is what he's asking of us. Verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. There was already belief. There wasn't doubt. They're like, let's go check his sources. Let's see if they're correct. Let us see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I don't think it was just Mary and Joseph there. Much as our little nativity, we have the wise men would show up much later. And we have the shepherds there and the animals there, all who heard it. I I think there's more people. I don't think they're the ostracized, you know, like no one else. I think there's a few other people there because I think other people have been put in position to hear what these shepherds told. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Look at this. They don't know this because they're in the story. We know this because we've read the story. They left. Worshipping and praising God in an infant. Jesus doesn't even start his ministry for 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. The shepherds left worshipping a promise that God had told them that he's going to bring. So when they said this is the Christ and the Messiah, he didn't do anything miraculous that day. I don't know about you, but like the first day you're... Your child comes out, you know, they're, I mean, Jesus was just an infant, a little baby. And I mean, the, the implications of what it meant for the savior of the world, God in the flesh. To be an infant, to be helpless. And we saw the world trying to kill him. Whether it was Herod trying to get rid of the babies or whether they were running to Egypt and back here, they went to all these places. And half of the times they went to these places, it was things that was already pre-told. They're going to come out of here. They're going to do this. But God protected 
the little child just like he protected Moses. And when he was weak, I mean, we, we have little information about Jesus. We, don't, we, we know that on the eighth day, he was presented at the temple. We know that when he was 12 years old, he went back to the city and, 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 and his family left him. Okay, I'm going to tell you, if you want to get in trouble, just leave the Messiah somewhere. Um, I mean, anything is bad. I know my wife was left at church, you know. These are good, good people here, but they left her at church one time. She's really hurt by it. Y'all should all hug her. Um, she <laughs> still remembers like that time where she looks up. They're gone. I'm surprised we haven't left any of our children at church, but it's, it's portable. So when we leave, we lock up. So we've got to make sure we take everything with us, including our children. <clears throat> but he was just a baby. It was, there was nothing that was going to happen. It was the promise. And I, and I, I want to tell you. That if you want peace, which is what we're talking about today, it's going to come in believing in the promise. Because what God's doing in you is not finished. And so you can't praise him on an unfinished thing. You can praise him for things that he's already done and things he's already released you from, things he's already brought you from. But most of the peace that you have to live in is future of what he's going to do. It's trusting that if I surrender to him, if I'm trusting him, regardless of how bad this day may look, that God is leading me to the place of peace. He's leading me to real joy. <clears throat> the promise has been delivered, and we know the rest of the story. We, like Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, have to live with and for the promise. This is where our peace comes from. What truth is bringing your peace? The danger is the world and everything else is going to say peace comes from ease. Peace comes from lack of conflict in your life. Peace comes from all things being good right now. Peace comes from your secure job. Peace comes from, and fill in the blank. And the danger of those is that right now you may have peace because of these circumstances. Tomorrow's circumstances can change. But our connection to Jesus is secure. No one can remove us from his hand. There's security in that alone. Listen to this in Romans 5. Starting in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith in our believing, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this, into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, the future. And let me just tell you, I could end right there and be like, yeah, I feel good. But let me give you the rest of this Romans 5. And, and hopefully, regardless of where you're at and how much things are going on in your life, you maybe get a little peace. So start in verse 3, it says, Not only that, which is the peace that we get, we've, act, we've gained access to the Father. It says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering, because this is, future, remember, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured 
into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom has been given to us. Peace can be yours, regardless of what's going on right now, regardless of the stress that you're experiencing right now, regardless of the truth that you're living in. Peace can be yours. But that peace has to be connected to the one that has the actual ability and strength to give it to you. Which is Jesus. And this is something we're going to start back. And I, I apologize for those that's like, man, I don't want to miss church next week. I want to be here. I'm sorry. But good news is, most of you miss a week here or there anyway. Watch out. Watch out. And we'll be back on the 3rd. And we're starting back in January. We're on the 2nd. 2nd, sorry. Don't come on the 3rd. That would be awkward. On the 2nd. See, if I didn't have help from the audience, sometimes I'd get in trouble. And my wife sometimes tells me I'm going too long, and she says to wrap it up or stop with that. She's helping in kids' ministry, so she can't help me today. But one of the things that we do every January, uh, we are going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's going to start our second week. So we're starting on the 9th, um, and we're going to finish on the 30th. And sometime, either the 30th or the 6th, we're going to have a night of worship. Um, but I'm going to... Um, force you over those five weeks to take serious peace. Because if peace only comes from Jesus, we've got to make sure that we're connected to the right Jesus and to the right words. And so let me, let me just go ahead and prep this for you. Um, on the second, I'm going to do everything in my power to convince you to treat the word of God like it is, the Word of God. And I, I'm going to go as far as guilting you into getting into the Word of God. And January is a great time to do this. So I'm going to pre-warn you. For those that have been <clears throat> in a reading plan this year, I, I'm going to encourage you to get in another one in January, whether it's the one-year Bible where you read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, Psalm and Proverbs every day, or whether you're just doing the New Testament in a year with Psalm and Proverbs, whatever that is, I just want you to take serious. Because if we're going to move, and we've got a lot of stuff in January that I'm going um, to talk about, if we're going to move forward and we're going to be successful as a church, I've got to have people that are in the Word. I've got to have people that are convinced that what God is saying to you in his word is worth doing. Because I'm not God. Sorry. I'm not Jesus. I'm not even the Holy Spirit. Just, I just want to make sure that's clear. But I want to convince you to connect to something that's going to lead you to life. And so know that on the second, when you come back of missing that one Sunday, I, I'm going, it's going to be a whole message over and over again of what the Word does for you and in you and through you so that you'll begin to believe. Because if you believe that His Word has power, you'll read it differently. I don't want you to read so that you can tell me that you read so you can be like, Pastor, I read five out of seven. I read seven out of seven. Like, I don't, I don't really care. I want you to not just read to check a box. I want you to read to hear. 
Because the living God is in the Word. And I don't know why I just gave you a, a disclaimer for January, but I want you to know, this is where we're going. And I need you to get on board. I need you to take serious because we have things to accomplish in the city and I need people that are on the right road. <clears throat> so this also applies into January. God is not just with us during one season. We talk about it. We get excited about it. But the truth is God is inviting you to live the idea of God is with you. Live it. The Father is offering the best gift that you can get this year. Jesus talks about in the New Testament, he said, you know, if, if we're wicked, evil fathers that give, and we still give good gifts to our children, how much more so will God the Father give good gifts to his children? And that gift is the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to talk about in January is that if you'll partner those two things together, if you'll partner the word, being in it, reading it. And because Jesus literally says that I will give you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will help you understand the things that you're reading. So you need these two things together to let it change you. And don't be like for those that, you know, I'm not talking about going crazy. So when you, some people hear the HS, the Holy Spirit, you're like, whoa, whoa. don't worry. I'm not going to push you to do anything that you won't do other than the Bible is very clear that our constant help here in the present is the Holy Spirit. And if you're not asking for the Holy Spirit, if you're not um, leaning into the Holy Spirit, if you're not praying that the Spirit would guide you in, your, in the reading of your word in your daily life, then you're missing a key component of what God's given you to move forward, period. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. <clears throat> and for those that are here right now and there isn't a whole lot of peace. There's actually a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of worry. I just want to challenge you to ask. Jesus says we don't have because we don't ask. And I'm going to encourage you um, today as we go into our last song. If you want peace, ask for it. And let me, let me preface that. Because a lot of times we pray for things and we have a view of what it looks like to get it. And I want you to just push that aside. Because a lot of times we miss God because we have an expectation of what he's going to do. And we do something different. Still God, we go, oh, God's not good. Because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And let me just tell you. Let me save you some heartache and pain. He's not here to do what you want to do. He's here to take you where he wants to take you. And so what I'm going to encourage us to do in this last song, and, and even before it, as I pray, is that if you want more of God, if you want that peace that we talked about today, then it comes from one place and ask for it. And say, God, I trust that you're going to bring it to me even when I don't see it. I trust, just like the shepherds, when they left this baby that, that the angels said was going to be the Messiah, the Christ. Trust that what God is going to do in the next season for you is going to bring life. Even in the midst of when it looks like things are falling apart, even in the midst when chaos comes, 
trust that God, if he can move the heart of Caesar, and if he can move the heart of Pharaoh, he can orchestrate little things in your life to make himself known. Just ask for it. Ask for it every day. I, if, if, I could, if I could encourage you to do something every day that I think would change your life, if you woke up in the morning and just invite the Holy Spirit. Just invite the Holy Spirit today. God, let me see you. Let me hear you. Soften my heart so that when I do hear you, that I'm obedient to it. So I just invite you to ask. I'm going to pray. We're going to go into worship. Um, and we're going to go home. And I'm just going to tell you, we, we need some Holy Spirit. We need some peace going into the next week of our life. Because some of you are going to be confronted with lots of stress and lots of conflict because you're going to be around. My, I mean, my wife was like, do you think everybody has like crazy relatives or like, you know, like have issues with family? I'm like, yes. We, I mean, some of you are like blessed and you don't have that. And this is like the most happy time of your life. But most people that I talk to, it's like, just, just pray for me that I don't say anything uh, that ruins the peace in the house. So let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, Lord, I, I ask for peace. Lord, where my worry and my fear and my anxiety love to creep in. I just want to trust you. And Lord, we we believe those in this room that have called you father or trusting in your son. We believe that you have good things for us. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the peace and the patience. To let you finish the work that you've started in us. Lord, we know that you will bring to completion the work that you began. Lord, help us hear the Spirit. Lord, help us follow the lead of the Spirit. And Lord, I pray that even before January 1, that we would take serious the reality of how powerful your Word is. I pray that we would be a people that hear you and see you in the living word. And Lord, I pray for those in this room right now that they don't have peace because they don't have you. Lord, I, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Lord, that you would invite them into your peace by inviting them to trust you. And the sacrifice that you made for everyone on the cross that we could believe and have right standing with the Father. We could be justified. Lord, call us into your kingdom. Help us be a church that produces obedient children. A church that hears the call and goes into our world and be the people that you've designed us to be. Lord, I thank you for all the good works that you've prepared in advance for us to walk into. Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful to walk into them. And so, Lord, we ask for your peace and your joy that you offer through your Son today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.